You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games, as long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hi everybody, this is Luke Hector here for episode 53 of the Broken Meeple Show, and it's hot. Oh my god, it's hot. <laughs> I know you in the States have hotter weather, and that's why I don't live in the States, okay? Well, actually, some of you do. Some of you are in cold areas, and I'd probably live there. But, oh man, we've we've had heat waves a lot. Anybody who tells me that global warming doesn't exist, seriously, what are you on? But Lately, we've had like the odd spot heat wave. Now we've had one for a few days and it's going to last at least another week. My house is a new build, so it retains heat like you wouldn't believe. Curtains are closed. This whole place is in vampire mode. I am drinking drinks with ice in them. I mean, it, you know, the ice in there. I am literally like, I am dissolving the, the Arctic, <laughs> you know, so piece by piece with the amount of ice I'm having in my drinks. I can't take it it's so hot and humid and horrible so i almost feel like i need a towel just to do this podcast but i'm gonna do my best because heat makes my brain shut down it makes me out of breath you know i have to go do swimming exercise to try and cool down in that i went yesterday which was really nice might go again today actually but there's stuff to do on the blog so you know we'll get on with that anyway but in terms of what's been happening um the blog has been pretty busy, actually, the last couple of weeks because I've had a lot of little reviews to get done. So most of those, in fact, all of those are now done. So what have I done? I've done Viticulture World Expansion Beyond the Base Game. That's been pretty popular. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, some, um, I'm, I'm glad there was no... Uh, <laughs> so like it, people were talking about the game and not anything else in relation to that one, thankfully. Uh, the Sniper Elite review for the solo and expansion uh, that went up and that's done all right. I thought it would do a bit better, but it's not doing too bad. Uh, the Star Wars Outer Rim Beyond the Base Game review, though, that's doing very well. Very pleased with that. Um, I recently put up the Gutenberg review. Yeah, wasn't the best of uh, games for me. It was a bit dull, but, you know, glad that some people have uh, watched the video. And I've also put up a preview of Armin Ray, which Alley Cat Games sponsored the video and asked me to do a preview for their Kickstarter. So by all means, check that out if you're interested in some classic Knizia, as I call it. And also, literally last night, I put up a Kennerspiel uh, Wordy discussion video. Well, no, it's called Kennerspiel Wordy, question mark, but it's the Living Forest review. So the Kennerspiel nominee Living Forest gets my express review in there. And certainly I just want to quickly mention about that because I'm kind of wondering if I need to change the name Express or decide that I only do one type of review and it's always in the format where I'm sat at the table. I don't know, because the thing is, detail reviews do take a long time for me to do. I mean, Perseverance is one of those, ex you know, examples. It took me forever to do that review. But Express reviews don't always end up as short reviews. I mean, the Sniper Elite review was over 20 minutes. That's normally detail review length. Now, granted, I threw in the solo mode and the expansion in there, which would have taken up a good five minutes in themselves. So perhaps in hindsight, I should have done the solo and the expansion as separate uh, videos. That probably would be something I'll do in the future. But, you know, the Gutenberg review was only a 
uh, standard one, and that's 20 minutes. Uh, the Kennerspiel, the Living Forest one, was about 20 minutes. And bear in mind, I am including the fact that I have a background uh, intros and, of course, the Kienda promo, which takes 30 seconds in itself. But, yeah, they don't seem very express anymore. So I don't know if that word is the best one to use. I don't like the idea necessarily of getting rid of the details format because I do like that structure. But maybe I could just incorporate a little bit of that structure in the sat down at the table version because those ones don't take as long to edit. So I'm kind of curious as to what to do about that. I'm having thoughts. I'll be interested to hear your comments on that. But yeah, it's just something that's kind of been bugging me at the moment. Not to say that I don't want to do stuff in the other room. I mean, you know, I don't want I want to do less reviews and more top tens and added value content. In fact, I had a viewer suggest to me trying to do a if you like this dot 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 series, which um, I don't want to do on the podcast. I want to do this as a proper video series. But it's like if you like this game, you should check out these games. That to me is what I consider to be value added content. It's something for a consumer that is not necessarily, uh, you know, not something you would necessarily get on a lot of other channels because a lot of other channels do not do this sort of thing. They'll review the new hotness and then they'll forget about the old stuff. Whereas I want to sort of say to people, look, you know, you're probably new to the hobby and you've seen this great game. Where do I go from here? Because there's so much choice. It sounded like a good idea. And I reckon I could do those videos fairly quick, very little editing, very little, like no need to put a ton of clips and that in there, you know, keep them fairly simple and straightforward. But yeah, I feel like those would be good. And I'm, I'm going to try this theory. I'm going to do a ticket to ride one. So if you like ticket to ride, you'll like this and we'll go from there you know i'd be interested to get your feedback when i put that one out but i haven't recorded it yet so uh don't you know get too excited uh on top of that uh there's some more what am i thinking oh yes uh a live stream well i did do the top 10 six player games with ninja geek games uh back in june 11th as you already know but since then i have also done the top 10 games we called on with solo playthroughs greg that was a very fun stream yeah we uh got into quite a few like heated discussions on uh, that one with uh, games because we had very different sort of opinions on there but yeah I, I thought that was really good fun i mean it's clearly doing a lot better i mean you know <laughs> nothing against mark you know i really enjoyed that stream as well but you know a lot of people really liked that topic i think the top 10 games we called on uh, in terms of collaborations, I've only got one more on the cards at the moment. Um, All Aboard Gamer uh, wants to do something with me in the future. Uh, top something. We don't know if it's going to be five or ten because there are two of them on that stream. But we want to do a heavy games list. Uh, we haven't set a date. Uh, we don't know what's um, what's happening with that just yet. But we are planning to do one. And you know, despite the fact that they've had some backlash on Twitter lately because of some trolls going around, it's like. You know, not going to scare me off. <laughs> I want to do a collaboration with you guys. So uh, that would be cool to do. Uh, but also, very important one, actually. This 24-hour marathon I'm doing. I want people to uh, take note of this. This is a... It's a... Oh, no. I just I just realized that uh, I'm not showing the uh, TV screen for it. But uh, don't worry. It's not that important. Um, but this uh, 24-hour marathon one. I want people to take note of this because the 24-hour marathon is something I'm doing at the end of this month. It's uh, a special charity event hosted by a friend of mine called Dan Apsey. And it, basically, I've done a live stream video last night, which granted the first one had technical issues, so I had to redo it, which was really annoying. But basically, it's a charity. Let's, let's get it on the screen here so that you can uh, see it. 
So hopefully that's going to load up any uh, minute now. But Saturday, the 30th of July from 9 a.m. to 9 a.m. <laughs> so it is a 24-hour marathon. I will be doing this challenge on behalf of a charity called Cots for Tots. They are a British charity uh, set in Bristol that caters for like newborn babies, uh, neonatal disorders, that sort of thing. You know, families for mothers. Uh, sorry, families for mothers. You know, accommodation for mothers, that sort of thing. They're a very nice little charity. And this 24-hour marathon has been going on for four years now, and they've raised over £11,000 to this charity. It's essentially just a convention where you come and play board games, but you don't have to do the full 24 hours. You can just turn up for part of it. As also as part of this, they do a big, huge live Twitch stream uh, that goes to Facebook Live and YouTube as well of various people playing games. And I'm going to be on two of those streams. So I'm there for the whole thing, 24 hours. I'm going to be on a stream at 11 a.m., I believe, which will be uh, for Art Nova. So that's not a teaching game. That'll just be playing it. But then later on at 2.30, I'll be teach. I think it's 2.30, is it? Sorry, 4 o'clock. Uh, I will be teaching Star Wars Outer Rim with unfinished business to a couple of other players. So I've got two three-hour slots, effectively, that I'll be on that Twitch stream. So by all means, check out this website that's on the screen here. Uh, if you want the link, uh, go f um, check out the live stream video I did for Cots for Tots. All the links are in the description in that video. You'll find them just fine. But what I would certainly like to urge people to do is to Pop onto this page, give them a look, give it a read. And if you can, visit this Just Giving link here. All the proceeds from this convention go to the charity. So all the ticket sales and everything. But they have a separate Just Giving page where you can just stick in a donation from anywhere in the world. I mean, American, Australian, Canadian dollars, euros and pounds will work just fine. But you can basically just make a donation to the charity. And you can be anonymous. You can put your name down. I mean, somebody's already put in there saying thanks to the Broken Meeple for highlighting this. You know, if you want to say that I referred you, then by all means, it will make Dan's day. But yeah, I, I would like urge some people just to go onto that link and just give a little bit of cash. And I know cash is tight for a lot of people at the moment with the whole economic climate. But if you can spare anything for the charity, it would make our world because, uh, you know, I'm doing this 24 hour challenge for this charity. Yeah, I'm not just turning up to the convention and saying, please donate. I'm doing this 24-hour marathon. And at the age of 38, um, marathons like this are not as easy as they once were. So <laughs> it's going to be an interesting one, particularly as I've got to teach a game on stream and play Art Nova on stream. And if you know anything about streaming, guys, case in point, it's a very draining process. Uh, other than that, in terms of news for the channel, I've got some pretty good... Uh, you know, top tens on the way. And I've been asking my Patreons for, you know, by means, if you can check out the uh, Patreon channel, then that'd be fantastic. You know, I would certainly, uh, sorry, Patreon page, you know, and sign up to that. I'd certainly be very appreciative. But I'm definitely going to be, I've, I've already asked a bunch of questions to my local Patreons for topics for the channel, as well as top 10 ideas. So the discussion point on this channel has been suggested uh, by a Patreon, Emily. And, yeah, we're going to talk about that later. But I've got some other really good ideas for discussion for future podcast episodes. So I've got some good stuff on the, on the horizon for that. But on top of that, I've also put up a poll and some suggested ideas for future top 10 lists. One of which, apparently, the Dice Tower is doing this Thursday, which is really annoying. Because I, I thought, like, oh, this sounds different. No one else has really done this. And then I look on the Dice Tower top 10 website, and they're doing it as their next top 10. Uh, Nature-themed games which is a little irritating because I'm expecting to get some backlash for that. But, uh, you know, but the thing is, they'll do it first because it wasn't one of the higher voted ones on my Patreon, actually. 
it, it it will get done. I will do it, but it was in the middle. So it's not going to be a top 10 that I do soon. I'm obviously going to do what the patrons want to do. But they wanted me to talk about filler games, particularly. That was a big one. So 30 minutes or less. They wanted me to do a two-player game series. So casual, medium, and advanced two-player game series. So that will take a bit of time to do. But there was also a list which I didn't expect to be very popular, but I put it on there anyway, which was, uh, I, I don't think I even suggested it. I think, uh, pa- yeah, a different um, another Patreon suggested it, but the, it was a uh, top 10 games I want to play that no one else does. I didn't think that would be an interesting topic, but yeah, not, not to go against the Patreon vote, but I thought, I didn't think other people would want to see it. I thought like, yeah, that sounds all right, but let me put it on. I don't know if it will be popular enough, but... I've been proven wrong. <laughs> it was the highest voted out of all of them so far. So uh, I think we'll be probably doing that one next. I think we'll put the top 10 20, 2021 retrospective on hold for a little bit and try and get that list out. So I need to do, although will I survive in the heat is another story. All right. Well, that's it for channel news. So, you know, some good stuff on the horizon. Um, I'm thinking of doing playthroughs as well, just as a side thing, uh, solo playthroughs. But I've got the C stand that Tom Heath uses for Sucker Drips. I've got a Brio 4K webcam that I'm going to use as the overhead camera. Now I just need to figure out how to attach the camera to said C stand. (laughs) And then I need to actually play around trying to set it up on StreamYard and things like that. I'm not going to do live stream. Live stream would be too much, but I'm hoping I can find a way to do it. But it's going to take some time, guys. This is going to be something for later in the year, but I'm just getting the pieces ready now. So that being said, we'll move on to the next part of the show, which is about what I played. So just one game for this time. And for this one, uh, I was going to I was thinking of doing Padio, but then I realized I think I talked about Padio a little while ago. I put up an Instagram post about my thoughts on it after playing it some more. Suffice to say, I want to like it, but I don't like the fact that it's really hard. Like, I think the difficulty curve is way too high. So instead, you know, as I've already talked about that one, I'm going to talk about a different game, and that is Longshot the Dice Game. So finally, I've got myself a wretched copy of this thing because unfortunately, the uh, publisher wasn't able to send me a review copy due to the, uh, well, from what they claim, the postage costs from the US to UK, which I can believe. But the I finally got a copy of this because uh, Games Quest had it for sale at the UK Games Expo which I couldn't attend. So I had to ask them very nicely to reserve me a copy. And then for two weeks, it's been sitting at the Dice Cafe and I've been forgetting to go pick it up. But finally, I got it. I learned it and I've played it. Not the solo mode. I've only played the normal game uh, several times, but the normal game. This is a roll and write, technically. Uh, I know it says the dice game, although uh, the fact that it's called the dice games is a little bit weird, actually, because I think it has the same amount of dice, if not less dice than the normal long shot game. It only has two dice in it. That's not really something I would call the dice game. I think that's a bit of a weird title. Really, you might as well call this long shot roll and write. Because that's basically what it is. It's a roll and write game. So why it's the dice game, I've no idea. But you're still probably thinking, well, Luke, you hate roll and writes. I don't necessarily hate them. I just think that they're overrated and sort of dull and tend to do the same thing all the time. But this one intrigued me. Because I like these little betting racing games. Horse racing is a fun theme to do as a game. And it looked very simple. And it was just getting a lot of buzz. Like a lot of people were liking this. And the original long shot took my fancy. So what do you do in this one is you have this pad in front of you. It's all dry erase. And you have a bit of money that you know in here. This uh, dollar bill to the right-hand side of the board. And then basically you roll two dice. 
one corresponds to the number of the horse, one to eight. Another one corresponds to the movement of that horse. But each of the horses has secondary movement on their cards, which basically means that when a particular horse moves, another horse might follow it. And so you're playing this one lap race, but you're betting on horses for first, second and third. You're buying horses to own them to get winnings if they do come first, second or third. But then you're also doing other things like, like marking off concessions on your board and you know, like putting off uh, helmets and jerseys on your board for set bonuses and special abilities. Uh, you, when you buy a horse, they'll have a special ability. So Nitro Nelly here, for example, is when you do the jockey action, you'll be able to move the horse on the die an extra point. So it's got like a few little other bits you can do, but primarily you are doing a horse race and you are bidding and betting as you would in a horse race. I love the cartoony artwork. I think it's like pretty funny. It's definitely like highlighting the fact that this is not a serious game. This is something that you would probably expect to see out of like a, I would almost expect to see this out of a Pixar animation or maybe like a Looney Tunes cartoon or something. It definitely has that kind of a feel about it. So if I can make the picture a little bit bigger for those. It's kind of weird. When I look on StreamYard, it basically puts the screen as white for a bit before it then appears on my view. It's really annoying. StreamYard's starting to get a little bit of a pain, but needs must. It's the only way I can live stream. But with this, I have to say, component quality, top notch. Dry erase markers, dry erase pads, cool, like, plasticky cards that, you know, wouldn't need sleeving. Uh, you know, the decent, well-written rulebook. These wonderful, like, chunky wooden pieces that are painted with the art on them, different weird shapes for the horses, two dice. The only, really, the only component blemish in here is that my dice has a bit of an etching issue or an ink blob or whatever on the free, which means that it's very difficult to read the free die. I don't know whether I should uh, put in a claim to get a replacement one of those. I don't know if that's the same with a lot of people, but... It's a little bit irritating, but I, it's not like it doesn't break the game. It's just like it always gets noticed, which is a bit of a problem. But I think this is actually one of the better rolling rights in existence, actually. I think this is a really solid. Now, if you find players who are going to AP this, then send them to a different game, because this is not a game you should be thinking hard about your turn. You roll the dice, and you move the horses, and you do an action each. And they're not complicated actions. You should not be overthinking this. Really, it's a... I mean, look at the Look at the artwork of these horses. What part of this game tells you you should be taking this super seriously like a Euro gamer? It's like, come on, have a bit of fun. But it's great laughs. It replicates. I mean, yeah, there are some thematic weird disconnects like the horses going backwards and stuff like that at times. But it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's a horse race. It feels cool. You, you, you Some horses do better than others. Then you get some that come from the back. You know, I mean, you're rolling dice. Yeah, it's going to be on, on the random side. But it's great to have some of these like, weird finishes where it's tight or one horse that you wrote off ages ago suddenly starts belting down the track it's there's a lot of cool really fun moments and the game comes with a lot of these different horses sets so you've got normally i think three sets of one to eight horses mine came with the mini expansions from the kickstarter which is kind of weird because i didn't expect it to have kickstarter content in there so there was two other sets in there so i think i got five sets of these horses and i can mix and match them to my heart's content so I'm going to have some fun with like variety in this game. And I haven't even tried the solo mode yet. There's apparently a way to play the solo and I'm looking forward to it. In fact, I will try that later today. I've got some spare time today after I'm doing the work because I'm not doing any online gaming tonight. Uh, friends are on holiday. So yeah, I'm going to take the solo mode and I'm going to have a go at it. Uh, it uses this board apparently. 
Looks a little on the complicated side, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I thought it looked complicated at first just from looking at the player sheet because it does look a little overwhelming at first. And then you quickly get through the rules and you realize it's actually a pretty good reference sheet that you have in front of you and it's dirt simple. So, yeah, I'm I'm definitely keen to play this some more. I will say that I don't agree with the player count. Uh, it says one to eight players. Now, I don't think that this is a game I'd want to play with more than five players because, yes, you only have to do one simple action. But waiting for some... I mean, the more players you have, the more chance you have of some AP-ness. And I'd rather not have to wait for six, seven, eight people to do their turn before it gets around to me. Yes, you can do it. But just because you could doesn't mean that you should. I think five is the max I would do this game with. I mean, five is a weird player count anyway. And you could get me to do six, but I'd rather play something like Downforce or Mysterium or something like that, you know, or a party-ish game if I've got six players. So... I would probably cap this at five. I think it works really great at three or four. Not tried it with two. And I would certainly like to try the solo mode later. But yeah, you know, not the cheapest uh, roll and write game out there. But then for the components that are in it, can you really blame it? I think it's pretty good value for what you get in that box. It's very well produced. I mean, kudos. But yeah, I was really interested by this. I mean, it, it, it replicates a horse racing game really well. Mad, mad, frantic, like, unless was it unpredictable races, you know, bidding, buying horses, you know, quick decisions, guessing and gambling. You know, you might put all your eggs in one basket or you might spread your winnings and that. It's a great little game. It's just, like I say, a good bit of fun. It's not like mind blowing or something I want to play over and over and over again. It's just that if I've got the players and they fancy like a bit of a laugh, a roll and write thing, then this is perfect. I mean, I would rather play this than something like Winner's Circle. Because Winner's Circle is not too dissimilar. You know, you play a lap race and you move the different horses at different times and you bet on different horses. This gets that sort of thing done a lot quicker and for a cheaper cost and a more portable product. So I would much rather play this than Winner's Circle. But yeah, one shot the dice game. First impressions, very good. I'm not planning to do a full review on it, but I won't rule it out. You know, we'll see. Maybe, maybe this one warrants it. I don't know. Let me know in the comments. Do you want me to do an express review for Long Shot the Dice Game? I've already given you a pretty decent review so far, but I could do a quick express review on this. And I do mean quick because I shouldn't need to take 20 minutes to explain this game. But at least by then I would have tried out the solo mode and I should be able to contain both in one video, honestly, because the game is small enough. That seems to be the best thing for express videos, actually. They seem to be good for fillers and small games, but they struggle when you have a full box size game. But then I don't want to make it a detail review. I don't know. Like I say, you're going to have to give me some thoughts on that. I really do need to sort this out at some point soon going forward, because otherwise it's just going to be in flux and it's going to make everything seem a little bit unstructured. And in my opinion, not as professional as I would like. OK, right. Well, after that, uh, we've got a fair bit of news. So lots of different games that have caught my interest, shall we say. And uh, yeah, I'm, we're going to go over some of those now. So very first, I don't know if I've mentioned this in a previous episode. If I have, I apologize. I'm just so excited. I'm so excited. And I just can't hide my love, Spirit Island. Oh, yeah. Um, Spirit Island has another chapter coming. I might have mentioned this before, but I think we've had an update on this because previously it was just hinted that there was another chapter. So a new proper expansion to Spirit Island. The one that released recently was just reprinting promos. That doesn't count. I already had them anyway. This is a new chapter. So 
The next expansion is ready to be revealed. A crowdfunding campaign will launch for Nature Incarnate. This is essentially new spirits, new aspects, new threats, and new powers await. That's pretty much all the detail we've got for what's in the game. And I'm hoping that the game is mostly just more of the good stuff. You know, just give me another Jagged Earth. Loads more variety. Maybe one or two extra little mechanics that you could throw in there. But nothing too complicated. The game's already complicated enough as it is. It does not need to be bloated. But... I'm up for new spirits and new powers and stuff. I mean, give me that, make that deck bigger. Give me new adversaries to fight. Give me new spirits. I mean, ah, oh, I mean, the picture here also, it's got like little, what look like flaming dogs or something, you know, that it's, I can't, I'm trying to think what to describe them as. But yeah, they kind of look like flaming wolves or something, like blue flame wolves. If there's a spirit that has something like that, that'd be quite fun. Or maybe that's just a power on a card. I don't know, but... They could really do some good artwork now because it has been several years and you know, artwork's come a long way. But here's the new thing. It says, duh, 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 crowdfunding exclusively through Backerkit on October 18th. I don't think I had a date last time when I mentioned this. October 18th, 2022 is the official launch date for this Backerkit. You can bet your bottom dollar I am going to ask like so nicely if I can get a review copy of this when it's done. Failing that, I'll just back it anyway because... Oh my god, I want this expansion so much. <laughs> cannot, cannot wait. Now, we're going to talk about a game that I never really heard of before. It's called Precognition. Now, I didn't know anything about this game. Didn't know it was coming out. Apparently, this will be at Essen 22, and I need to have, actually have a look at the Spiel preview that's released recently to see if there's anything that takes my fancy. Not to mention I need to get emailing publishers to actually set us up for interviews and stuff because last couple of years I have not done that and it's lost me out on some review copies by not emailing publishers ahead of time. So I really must make certain that by the end of August, at the latest, probably during August, I should really get on with emailing some publishers. But or maybe even look at the preview and just start now. I don't know. I'd be curious what other creators have done, actually. How early do you do it? How late do you leave it? But precognition, use your powers of precognition to save what's left of humanity. It's got a really cool cover already. I mean, that cover is really cool. It's sort of like mystical eyes and then the, the water sort of landscape, the lake with the island, the sort of desolate ship in the background. It's a really cool title. It's from Ludenault Games, who did The Living Forest, I mentioned. And it says 60 minute playing time. Okay, good. Two to four players. Good. It's not trying to ham fist a solo mode in here. And frankly, I don't know how you would fit a solo mode into this game, considering what it is. Why am I talking about it on this news? Well, because I want to highlight a, a specific a mechanic that was involved in this. So this one says, and I quote here, all right? So do 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 Two to four player card drafting game, giving you the opportunity to pass cards to yourself to plan for future happenings. Huh? <laughs> it's like, I read that and I thought, what? How does that work? Well, listen more here, all right? So here you go. So where we go. Uh, going down the Great River, you explore the banks to rescue contaminated humans in a post-apocalyptic world. You hire doctors to treat them or protectors to secure the boat from banes to come and try to collect batteries to, achieve, to activate the machine rooms of your boat or food to feed the new healthy humans. So, you know, this sounds like an interesting theme, but let's get to the point I'm referring to here. So here we go. Last 12 rounds, and each round lasts three phases. During the decision phase, you have four cards available, two in hand and two in your decision zone. You will choose one of these four cards to play for yourself and one card in your decision zone to play for your left-hand opponent. 
The remaining two cards will go into the decision zone of the player to your right, which means they'll play one of these cards for you next term. That blew my brain. That is something really cool. I've not seen that done before. This whole idea of passing cards and drafting has already been done. And the whole idea of, oh, I've got to be careful what I pass you, fine. And we've had a couple of games like Ginkopolis and that where you pass cards and you're not necessarily certain you're going to get the card back around. A Dice Fiend Park did that as well. But this sounds like something truly unique. I really don't know of any other game that does this. And if there is, let me know in the comments because I would like to check it out. But that sounds cool. Sounds thinky. For a 60-minute game, that sounds pretty thinky. So these are going to have to be some pretty simplistic card effects. Uh, and to be fair, it doesn't look like a very like, difficult-looking game. I mean, you've got your player board boat with all sorts of stuff on it, hopefully not too complicated. That's the river in the middle, which just looks like a kind of racetrack with different terrain. Looks like it's got a decent amount of pieces, but wow, that just sounded great. I mean, during the action phase, you activate the card you chose and the card chosen for you using powered machines as well as possible. So that must be what your home board is. Uh, to close the round, heal all contaminated humans, manage any veins, blah, 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 and move forward. After three rounds, you must feed the newly healed humans. And at the end, whoever has the greatest number of healthy humans wins. So it's got a cool theme, but that card system sounds amazing. I am very interested in this. This has shot up very highly on my anticipated Essen list now, which I didn't have before, but I can guarantee you this one is going on there as a top 10. That just sounds like a such a such a cool mechanic. I want to check this out now. I want to see how this works in practice. Now, I could be setting myself up for disappointment here, but uh, come on. Does not that sound cool to you? I think it sounds pretty cool, honestly. All right, let's move on to another one. So we have Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Uh, not a game I'm a massive fan of. It's fine. It does the job. I much prefer San Juan. Biggest problem with Puerto Rico is that the theme never really interested me, although we'll get onto that in a minute. And I never felt it really came out as I was playing it. But also, I hated these Puerto Rico sharks that I kept finding when I played it at conventions. You find the people who have played this game so much that they will practically want to bid on the seating arrangement because they don't want to sit next to anybody who's new to the game because they think they'll play suboptimally. If you are like that and you're playing this game, shame on you because, frankly, you should have more appreciation for other gamers. But... I hated that. That put me off the game quite a bit. Now, the game's okay. I don't mind it mechanically, but I much prefer San Juan. I think it just gets the same sort of thing it did much quicker and just much easier with the card deck. But now we apparently have a new version uh, being, um, I think it's been launched as part of the new relaunched Alia Games line, which, like I say, wasn't the best looking of lines in terms of aesthetics. But Ravensburger have basically, uh, based on one or two little articles or something and i think there's been some work behind the scenes as well where they are releasing a reimagined version of the game so this is basically supposedly created in partnership with a culturally diverse and represented team set in post-independence puerto rico and doesn't include themes of colonialism you want to do that that's fine i mean honestly the theme of colonialism never really came out to me in the original version of this game i tend to be able to separate myself from these dark themes pretty well i mean i played this war of mine let's face it you know and that doesn't trigger me you know no i did not get triggered by the conquistadors and viticultural world if that wasn't evident enough you know so certainly i tend to separate myself a lot from these dark themes i don't let them get to me even if some of them i might go oh that is pretty dark and that might affect a few people but whatever, it's a board game, it's only a game. That's what the, the catchphrase, you know, it covers a lot of bases. But 
you know, this is fine. A relaunching of a game that used to be number one on Board Game Geek. A lot of people like it. And if the theme really did bother you, then now you have this version. I mean, it doesn't sound like it's changing much in the way of mechanics. So I think it will still be pretty much the same sort of game. Hence, I probably won't be that desperate to grab a copy of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that you can't really get the old copy anymore. And I don't think it's going to be a case of, well, I refuse to get this copy because it's now changed the theme. It's like, whatever. I mean, the theme was never a big deal for me in the old one. So it's not really going to be as massive a deal for me here. But, you know, kudos. I mean, colonialism is something that some people do, you know, are not fans of seeing, which is understandable. So if it means that they can now play this game and not have a problem with it, then, you know, who am I to argue with that? That's fine. You know, let's make the games, you know, more appealing to more players. And I just don't, I don't see how this is going to cause any massive, uh, you know, controversy or anything like that. But, you know, it's what's done is done. It's coming out to uh, Puerto Rico 1897. So October 2022. So I suspect this will come out probably around uh, um, Essen as well. But yeah, by all means, give it a go and see what you think. You know, I, I think the game's okay, average, but, uh, you know, maybe there'll be some more fans of it now. All right, uh, very quickly scrolling down, actually, funny enough, I know a lot of this comes from BGG News, but that's because, uh, you know, my various sources haven't done any news updates for a while. But Stonemaier has announced a quarter four 2022 release for the Asia expansion for Wingspan. So, yes, I love myself some Wingspan. I even took my dad recently, a uh, little short story, to Bird World. It's a little Avery place near where I live, about 30 minutes up the road. And I'd never been there before. My dad loves birds. And I thought, you know, treat him out to a Father's Day birthday birthday gift. And I treated him out to, I bought him a ticket for this. And we had a walk around. It was a sunny day. And he had a great time. We all had a great time. I mean, I learned a little bit about some birds I didn't know before. Laughing cougar birds are so fun. <laughs> they sound like they've got manic laughter. It sounds like an evil villain out of a cartoon or something. It's really cool. But I put up a bunch of pictures on Instagram if you want to see the uh, photos. But yeah, I had a good time and he really enjoyed it. So yeah, that's just a little side story of my life. But yeah, more birds. I mean, I, I doesn't it doesn't sound like there's many details on what these birds will do but they're going to focus on Asian birds, more birds. Don't give me more mechanics. I mean, I still am in two minds about the uh, Oceania expansion for practically changing half the game system with its new boards and that. But yeah, I am certainly up for just having more birds and more objectives and stuff. So by all means, Wingspan is probably the last hurrah from Stonemire actually, because yeah, because everything else after Wingspan has been meh or bad for me. I'm not including the Viticulture World expansion, even then I only gave that a seven. So yeah, but like I say, Wingspan is still hotness for me. Okay, uh, scrolling a bit down, there's a few bits on here that aren't desperate for me, but uh, I wanted to talk briefly about this one. So, sorry, the heavy was starting to act up there. So, French publisher Days of Wonder has announced another standalone game, finally. I mean, oh, blimey, Days of Wonder... You know, don't seem to publish many games these days, although that's not necessarily a good thing because uh, they produced Ticket to Ride and Small World, two very great games. I mean, I, Small World, I'm burnt out on a bit, but I love Ticket to Ride still. And these ones are just ones that they keep expanding and expanding and expanding and basically milking the cash cow. You know, they could probably give it a rest now. Um, but when they released standalone games, they didn't tend to do very well. Corinth and Deep Blue. Well, 2019, when they released those two games, does anybody give a monkeys about Corinth? I've never seen it since I, re uh, I can't remember if I reviewed it 
if I did, it was a very basic one. And Deep Blue, I liked it okay at first, but that's basically, I mean, I've burnt out on that. Yeah, I, I liked it at first, but I think, yeah, after a while, it did show some kinks in the armor, and nobody talks about that game anymore. And even Dice Tower put it on games that they were disappointed by. So, yeah, uh, not exactly the best release schedule. So now the same designers of Deep Blue, which is another worry, have now brought out this new release, Heat Pedal to the Metal, which is a very boring title. I mean, Heat would have been fine. Pedal to the Metal, just oh, I hate that phrase. But it looks like a Formula One racing game. And uh, you're basically uh, in car races, jockeying for position to cross the finish line first while managing the car's speed if they don't want to overheat. Selecting the right upgrades will help their car manage the curbs and keep their engine cool to maintain top speeds. So basically, I don't know how many laps you do, uh, but you've got things like uh, weather, road conditions, and events to spice up the challenge. You have a solo mode, automated drivers. Uh, so, you know, I Formula One is a bit of a boring race theme. I mean, I, lo I like it okay in downforce, but it's not like the first thing I want to do in a racing game. But you know, Days of Wonder. So this will be this will have good artwork. Uh, in fact, is it me or does this look like it was uh, illustrated by Vincent Dutrait? This does look like Vincent Dutrait's artwork, doesn't it? I'm not sure. They don't mention who it was, uh, who the art's done by, but I'm curious because that does look remarkably like Vincent Dutrait's artwork. And if so, seriously, does this guy not rest? But you know, we'll see what it's like. I mean, I think this is releasing later this year. So I got a feeling this will be another Essen thing as well. I bet money it's probably going to be on there. Yeah, here we go. We'll debut at Spiel 22 in October with a worldwide release scheduled in Q4 22 for a retail price of 65 euros, though. That's a lot of money. I mean, they're going to give you a decent amount of tracks by the looks of it. I mean, two double sided game boards, a bunch of cards, some player boards. So I guess it can justify that price. But yeah, games are getting expensive these days. So, uh, oh, well, I'll see if I can get a review copy of this. I mean, Days of Wonder don't tend to give out review copies. So maybe I can get something through Asthma Day. Maybe I'll get in touch with Kender. Maybe they'll have something. But um, I'll have to see. But I'll, I'm certainly interested to try this because I like racing games. And I'm certainly down for anything that's like 30 to 60 minute racing game fun. But yeah, it's kind of like, oh, you know, what's it going to be like? We'll have to see and wait and see. Okay, right, fine. Let's move away from news then and get on to the discussion, mainly because I'm running out of breath. Oh, that ice drink is so gorgeous. I could do it with an iced coffee or something like that, actually. Righty, so a uh, question that was suggested by our Patreon, Emily, is what exactly makes a game too long for me? So I talk a lot about games being too long. I got such stick on Perseverance about this. People say, no, oh, it's not that long. It's like, dude, it's three to four hours for the second episode and two to three hours for the first one. And you get barely 12 to 14 turns. I'm sorry, if that's not long, I don't know what it is. But, you know, I talk frequently about long games and people seem to think that I hate anything that's long. Not true. New Angeles over there is three hours long. Arkanova is frequently a good two and a half to three hours, possibly even more if you've got slow players. I like the Lacerda games. Do any of these Lacerda games by my head sound like they're less, you know, short games? No. Mind Clash, Anachrony? Yeah, good luck playing that in a short time. It's, you know, there are games I like that are long. It's not just simply the arbitrary length that gets it. So at the end of the day, the question is, what does actually make it too long? And it's a concept that we use called, uh, um, uh, I don't think non-gamers would... I've heard of this term, but we phrase it as outstaying your welcome. 
when a game outstays its welcome. So what that generally means is that the game is too long for what the game is providing. So it's not just a case that it's three hours long. It's a case that it's three hours long and it doesn't justify being three hours long. Now, this could have multiple reasons for this, but even a game that's 60 minutes long can still be too long. For example, uh, Parks. Uh, Parks is a game that a lot of people love. And personally, I'm kind of mad on it. I mean, it's basically, well, my opinion is that it's basically just Splendor with extra steps. And I much prefer to play Splendor. So I only give Parks a five. I've not tried Trails, but I hear that's got the same problem that this one does. But Parks is a really beautiful game, okay? Not going to deny it. It's nice, it's beautiful, and, like, pleasant. But the problem with Parks is that, again, it's basically just Splendor with a track. That is all it is. You collect cards in the exact same way you would do in Splendor, and you move along this track where you jump on a space, grab a little token, you trade them in to get the cards for points. End of story. But Splendor, I can play in 30 minutes with four players. Parks takes over an hour every single time, particularly if you play with four or five players. And I refuse to play this with five players ever again. I mean, this game just drags on and on for what is a fairly simple game. And in that time, you're frustrated because you never seem to be able to go on the landscape tile you want because there's too many people. It's just too tight. So as I say, I'm not the biggest fan of Parks, but I think Parks outstays its welcome because like I said, I can play Splendor in 30 minutes. This one takes like over 60 to 75 minutes. Why would I want to play this game for that long? I've seen it take 90 minutes for some people with five players. That's too long. I don't see why you would play a simple game like this for that long when there are shorter ones available. But there's other ones like uh, like Polyomino games. So uh, I mentioned like Baron Park as uh, one of my favorite poly Polyomino games. Doesn't take too long, but it still takes a good 45 odd minutes to uh, play the game. And it, you know, that's not too long, but if it was any longer, it would probably be too long for what it is. Just this nice, simple build a park with some polyomino tiles on it and get victory points. But there are some polyomino games like the Cottage Garden and uh, Autumn Summer, or whatever they were called, the ones that Uri Rosenberg did, which I think do outstay their welcome. I think they are pretty simple games, but they just go on a bit too long. New York Zoo uh, that Uri Rosenberg did. I wasn't a big fan of that game. I thought it was too fiddly. You know, putting those little creatures on was just such a pain. And I didn't like, uh, actually, six. I'm dropping that to a five. Yeah, I really didn't particularly like this game. So, um, well, it was average. It was okay. But but this one, like, claims 30 to 60 minutes. Yeah, good luck playing this in 30 minutes. That ain't happening unless it's maybe the solo mode. But I just didn't really get into this one, and I felt, again, I'd rather play a quicker polyomino game. Then, remember my review I did for Alice Garden? Alice's Garden, the surprise hit from Kiender? Yeah, this is a fantastic polyomino game for Gateway Gamers. It has great production, real cheap, and it is done in 30 minutes. Even with four players, this game is done in 30 minutes and could be done in less with less players, but you're talking about a 30-minute timer. That's brilliant. It's like, doesn't outstay its welcome at all. It's nice, quick, snappy. It's a proper filler polyomino game, and it gives me the same sort of feel. So the idea of, like, games maybe being too long for what they are is part of the whole thing of what makes it too long. So let's talk about some, like, heavy games, for example. I mentioned Perseverance, right? Let's compare Perseverance to something like, uh, let's see, another heavy game that's pretty mechanical. Well, actually, well, I mean, why did we put, why did we, uh, 
compare it to Ark Nova because I keep talking about that one so much. And oh, it's number seven on Board Game Geek Top 10. Not that I care, but you know, it's nice that something good's in the top 10. But the Ark Nova game. So this game regularly can take a good two and a half to three hours. I mean, certainly three hours is possible with a four-player game, and some people might think that's too long. Now, it certainly is long, and Ark Nova is kind of on the cusp of maybe going a little bit too long with four. But in Ark Nova, not only am I considering like next turn and planning ahead, but I'm frequently taking turns. So I'll do my build, now I'll do my association, now I'll do my uh, sponsor, and then I'll do sponsor again, and then I'll do animals. And you know, you're frequently doing a lot of turns, which keeps you engaged. The turns may take a little while, they may not, but you are frequently doing turns. So you're constantly being brought back into the game. And with the great theme that this game has, it certainly helps to keep me engaged. Now compare this to something like Perseverance, where in Perseverance, you are playing this game for, it depends which episode you do. I mean, you're talking two to three hours for the first one and at least three hours, if not four hours for the uh, uh, second one. And I knew I got a bit of stick on this one, but I'm still defending my point here, right? This game goes on for that long, and I know Mind Clash games typically go on for that long, but then whereas in Anachrony, you are frequently taking turns because you're taking action, 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 and the action could be to put somebody out on the board, could be to do time travel, it could be to use a worker, it could be to wake up your workers. I mean, it's, you know, you're frequently taking a lot of turns. Perseverance has you drafting from a dice pool. Let's see if I can find the dice pool, uh, a decent picture of that. And like I say, the game wasn't horrible. It was just the dice pool was a problem. Uh, come on, we got any more for the dice? Let's see. I don't know. Well, I'll talk. I'll, I'll mention it when I see it. But essentially, you draft from an action pool of dice. And with these dice, you take your actions. Now, with these, I'll just use this picture here. So with these dice, you only get so many turns in the game. You know, because it works out that regardless of what player count you're doing it as, or certainly with four players at least, and three close enough, you're barely getting 12, 13 tops turns in this game, possibly less. Uh, it's certainly around there. So that 12 is an average. So 12 turns in a game that's three to four hours. No. The time ratio of turns to time is ridiculous. Now, people will say, well, come on, you are thinking really hard about your next turn. What, as opposed to every other heavy Euro game? Pretty certain I'm not just twiddling my thumbs when I'm playing any other heavy Euro game. You know, I am thinking about my next turn. It does not take as long as this one does. This one also has the big problem that some of those turns you take out of the 12 may literally just be take two food. And that's it. <laughs> because the actions in this game are so fundamentally unbalanced in terms of their time length is ridiculous. If you take the adventure uh, action on episode two for like going out into the wild, your turn can take a good several minutes to resolve because it is that long and a phrase to do and complex and fiddly. But taking rations or scrap is literally just go to the spot, take two food, turn done. Five seconds. You could have a turn that takes five seconds. You could have a turn that takes five minutes. In a four-player game, it is feasibly possible for you to take a five-second turn and then have to wait 15-plus minutes before it gets back around to your turn again. That's way too long. This is what I'm talking about with Outstaying It's Welcome. It's This game should not be one that takes three to four hours. It should take less time because you're not getting as many turns. If this game did take something like 90 minutes, two hours tops, I'd actually probably like it a bit more. But at that kind of length, 
it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> it's kind of kind of ridiculous. Now, part of this thing is now getting onto the idea of being engaged for a lot of the game. And this is a key factor. You can give me a long game, but if I'm constantly engaged for those three hours, then great. And don't say it's the interaction between players. That does not count. That is a cop-out because you can interact with players in every game. You know, so don't use that. But let's take another game that I like to play. <laughs> no one else seems to. That could be a contender for the list. But New Angeles. So New Angeles is a relatively underrated game, in my opinion. I think it's a really solid negotiating game uh, for... In fact, negotiation games are a good one for this category because I'll talk about another one in a second. But New Angeles, this game can frequently take you anywhere between two to three hours. You are probably looking with six players that this takes nearly three hours to play. So that may seem really, really long, but it's negotiation. You are constantly negotiating with the other corporations with these different asset cards and action cards to try and build up this city. So it's basically a Blade Runner style uh, system. It's the net running universe, but you are constantly making deals with other players. Somebody puts up an offer, you're considering whether the counter offer, and then you're voting on which one you want to do. You are chatting to different players. You know, you are doing so much in this game with other players that those three hours just fly by. You don't notice the game is taking three hours because it's just so much engagement. Now you will feel dead at the end of three hours because it will drain you, but it never feels like I'm bored. I never feel like I'm just sitting there waiting for the next thing because I'm involved. I'm interested in what's going on. And negotiation games do a fantastic job of this. The other one I was going to mention is a unexpected one that I like is a sidereal influence. Sidereal, oh, for God's sake, this stupid title, sidereal confluence. Is that it? Here we go. Oh, oh, this is the expansion, but never mind. I just want to get this game on the title. Come on. Hurry up, you stupid thing. So Sidereal Confluence, uh, this is, um, yeah, this is like an expansion to it. But this game is like insane negotiation of cubes for cubes for cubes and then more cubes. I mean, yeah, it's dry as a bone despite the alien theme that they put around it. But I enjoyed this game. I thought this was a good solid one. I've given it an eight. It's, you know, definitely requires like the same group of people to play with. I think playing this with randoms doesn't work. So this is definitely a niche title. But. In this game, you are constantly negotiating with other players, trying to make deals, and you're thinking about your next phase. You're trying to decide whether you can go for certain machines or certain objectives, and it constantly keeps you engaged for the good, you know, two and a half to three hours that you'll be playing this game for. It's a really solid game. You know, the only reason I don't own it is because a friend of mine owns it, and frankly, that's the person I'm going to play this game with. Otherwise, I would probably get a copy of it, because I think it is pretty solid. But yeah, you know, a negotiation game that takes three hours is not a problem for me because you're constantly negotiating. Now, let's say you had this game with some negotiation, but you only had negotiation for part of the game. Like you had like a, a phase every now and again where you did some trading and then the rest of it was, you know, most of your mechanics and you didn't have many turns. That would probably make it outstay its welcome. But this one doesn't do that for me. You then get some stupidly long games, which, I mean, you don't even have to justify why they outstay their welcome. It's like Mega Civilization. This is a game I give a one. I hate this game with a passion. And I was so excited about this game because it came in a huge box. And I thought, oh, grandiose, big group civilization game. This is going to be fantastic. I'm going to love it. I played it and sold it to my friend because I thought this game was terrible. Because 
what essentially this game boils down to is one giant game of pit that you play for about 12 hours. It's insane. This game is long. You have a giant map of people around the world, most of whom you don't even interact with because they're on the opposite side of the map to you. So what do you care? You collect these cards, whoopee-doo, you don't collect many of them. And then you go through this pit-style trading phase where these people, like you can see here, basically go around going, I got free grain, I want to give you two of these wood. And then you lie about what's on some of the cards because they have calamities on them. So you have, in fact, in fact, this is the tagline I'm going to use for this point. Punishment. Punishment in a long game also can make it outstay its welcome because if you're in a game that hurts you from time to time, but it's a short game, you haven't got to live with the consequences of that punishment for too long. And in some games, you expect it. This game has you trading calamities. Calamities are basically things that affect your nation in a bad way. So, for example, I had one where I was playing, I think I was playing this race actually down on the Mediterranean, and I grabbed a calamity at the start of a round, bearing in mind minor calamities you can trade. Major ones you can't. If you get one, you're stuck with it. And this major calamity was a typhoon that wiped out my entire coastal civilization. And I couldn't trade it. And it was entirely luck of the draw that I got the card. This is a game that takes 12 plus hours. Well, maybe 12 plus. But you're talking like most of the day. You're playing this for like 6 to 12 hours or something. I mean, I've seen it go to extreme lengths, right? And you can be wiped out of the game by a card draw at any particular point. Screw you, Mega Civilization. Dumb, stupid game. But that level of punishment is so bad for a game that takes that length of time. You should not have stuff that could just completely neuter you out of the game that easily and that lucky, or unlucky in this case, be in a 12-hour game. And I don't want any game that's like that. Food Chain Magnate, another one that I hate with a massive passion. If you do not play the first few turns of Food Chain Magnate the exact way that you're meant to, you will be out of the running from this game for the get-go, and you will not be able to win it in the four hours it takes to play this wretched piece of tat. And with this, again, it's so punishing, because you're basically neutered out of the game for, you know, a couple of mistakes max, and new players will get caught out by this like crazy, and you're supposed to just sit there and take it for the next four hours. No! You know, if this game was maybe 30 minutes, I'll take that kind of punishment, but... No, not four hours. Uh, you know, you're telling me that four hours is not outstaying its welcome when you are literally taken out of the game. Yeah, I'm sure you have fun just twiddling your, you know, twiddling your thumbs and not actually contributing to the course of the game. Oh, God, I hate this game so much. I'm going to get off it. Get off the. Find me another page. Find me another web page. There you go. I'll take the dashboard of BGG better. Oh, I need some happy kittens. That's what I need. I need pictures of happy kittens. But, yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of like a short case for it. It's not is the game long that causes problems? The game can be long, but in summary, you've got to bear in mind that you shouldn't have too much punishment in the game. That is too long because it's just not a fun experience at that point to be like taken out. It's what I call pseudo knockout. Uh, it needs a lot of engagement. So a negotiation game that's long is fine, but something like Perseverance, where you basically take 12 turns and don't do a lot, isn't enough to justify a three to four hour game length. And so number of turns is important. I mean, Pulsar 2849 has, I think, 12 odd turns in the game as well, which could be 
somewhere up. It could be bumped up to about 20 with bonus actions. But yeah, you're not talking a lot of actions in Pulsar 2849. The game is done and dusted in 90 minutes. That's an acceptable length considering how smooth that game is. But if Pulsar 2849 took two and a half to three hours and it had that same number of turns, I wouldn't like it much at all. It makes a big difference. Uh, Wonderland's War, actually. Um, I did the review recently and you know said that that one was too long for what it was. Well, yeah, because it's basically Quacks of Quedlinburg with an, with an area control system in it. And I'd much rather probably... Put, I mean, I don't... I'm not a massive fan of either game. And I gave Wonderland's War a 7. I mean, give me a break. I'd give Quacks a 7 as well. But I'd rather play Quacks because I'll get that done in much less time as long as you haven't got the AP players. So I don't want to play Wonderland's War for the, like, two and a half hours that that game seems to take on occasion. It's, like, ridiculous length of time that a four- to five-player game of Wonderland's War can take. So, again... That one, I made a big deal in that review that it outstays its welcome. And a lot of people agreed, but a lot of the fanboys were willing to sort of jump on the high horses and go, no, this game is amazing, 10 out of 10. There can't be anything possibly wrong with it. You're wrong. Which, seriously, you can love a game, but you got to accept when the consensus kind of says something else. So it's, you know, so I've mentioned that. Uh, but yeah, engagement, you know, punishment, uh, number of turns, you know, how often are you actually doing something in the game rather than just sitting and twiddling your thumbs. There's a lot of these little factors that go into outstaying its welcome. And it can also be compared to other games, as I mentioned with Parks and Splendor. You know, Parks is just Splendor with a track. So I'd rather play Splendor. Gizmos, Splendor with added steps. I've played Gizmos. I like it fine. It's a lot more fiddly and takes a lot more time, though, than Splendor does. I'd rather play Splendor. And as I say, there's something to be said about short games being quick and snappy. I mean, the Alice's Garden, it's going to be a long time before anybody manages to top Alice's Garden for a polyomino game now in that genre because it's so short, quick, and it's a good amount of fun that you're going to have to work pretty hard to justify why you would make a polyomino game in a similar lineup that takes longer than that one. Uh, Codenames, Codenames, actually, I could uh, say is outstays its welcome because a lot of that time you're not engaged you're sat there just going has the clue given gone yet no it's, it, it's boring it's like code names is just boring so you know while you're waiting for the clue giver to give a clue and then you're waiting on the other team for the other person oh will you just hurry up and make a decision all right look look you've been debating this for five minutes can you just pick a card it's all right drives me nuts so now first contact i get it done in about the same amount of time i get more engagement it's more interesting more fun it, i dare say that game well nah, that game can take a little bit longer than code names in terms of playtime. but i get so much more enjoyment out of it that i don't feel it's outstaying its welcome so you know you can be longer than a competitor and still not outstay your welcome it like i say engagement punishment you know, how much are you physically engaged in the game is a big deal. So we'll leave it at that. Anyway, whew, I'm out of breath and I am sweating. It is horrible. I hate this heat. I hate this heat so much. And this room has had the windows shut, the curtains shut and the door shut. So I didn't have outside noise. So I'm just uh, overheating a bit more. So I'm going to take a break now and try my best to cool down with some more ice water and uh, whatever. I don't know. I wish I could make iced coffees. 
that would be good. But I would certainly go for a nice coffee right now. But that's it for me. I will see you on the next uh, Broken Meeple show, on the next episode. Remember what I said at the start. There's some cool stuff on the way. Uh, for those of you that are going to Manacon, I will be there this weekend, Friday to Sunday, not on the Monday. Uh, but, yep, I'm going to be there playing games. I've got some booked ones, some not. I'm going to be bringing a lot of stuff on the Bring and Buy, like, well, yeah, Perseverance I'm selling, Merchants of the Dark Road. I'm thinking of getting rid of Dwellings of Eldervale as well. So, you know, i got a lot of big stuff to sell on the Bring and Buy. Uh, but then after that, obviously, there's the 24-hour gaming marathon. So if you're going to that in um, at the end of the month in Britain, then by all means, I'd love to see you at it. But uh, I know some people have asked if I can go to Gen Con. It's too expensive. It, it costs tons of money for me to fly over there. Spending only a week there doesn't really justify the length of time and cost of that flight. And then the hotel costs a bomb, and then they'll be feeding me as well. It's It's expensive. I can't afford it. I'd love to go to Gen Con. I'd love to go to Dice Tower East, you know, on the East Coast. That would be fantastic. I would love it. But it's just really cost prohibitive when you've got to pay for everything yourself, you know. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a nightmare. But maybe one day in the future, we'll see. But I will be at Essen. So if you're going to be at Essen, I will certainly be there. And even then, that's quite a costly one for me. But I kind of have to go to Essen. I kind of not, not go to Essen. So it's kind of a thing. But anyway, I'll see you on the next Broken Meeple show. If you want to check out more content on the channel, then you have got recent stuff like my top 10 solo playthroughs, uh, games we called on. By all means, check out that live stream. And of course, you can check out the previous podcast episode as well. You know, I did debate what I was doing with the podcast episodes. Plenty of you still want me to carry on doing them, so I'm going to carry on doing them. Take care. And remember, as always, it's only a game. Bye for now, everybody. <laughs>